Hello and welcome back to the Eat More Carbs podcast. I'm your host and sports dietitian, Riley Beatty. Over the past four and a half years of being a sports dietitian, I've helped over a thousand athletes at the Olympic, professional, NCAA, and high school levels. Each week on this podcast, I share with you simple and easy nutrition tips and tricks that have helped these athletes meet their goals on and off the field. In this episode, I'm answering questions with help from my co-host and fellow registered dietitian, Jenna Fisher. We're going to be chatting about how you can maximize your energy levels going into your evening trainings, how you can refuel when you only have 30 to 45 minutes between practices, and how you should go about toning up and hitting body composition goals this off-season. I love always answering your questions, and I cannot wait to share with you today's episode. Let's jump in and get started. Hi, Jenna. Welcome back to the podcast. Hey, Riley. Thanks for having me back. I am so excited that you are back. You are going to be helping co-host now our monthly Q&A segments. So, so excited. I know everybody else is excited too because they don't just have to listen to me talk to myself for 30 minutes. So we're super excited to have you on. Why don't you give us a little introduction, maybe a little recap um, of how we know each other? So for those of you who don't know me, I'm Jenna. I'm also a dietitian, not a sports dietitian like Riley, but Riley and I met while we were doing our internship together at the University of Nevada in Las Vegas. I've worked in a couple of different areas of dietetics since we finished that up, but most recently I work in a remote kind of outpatient setting is the best way to describe what I do now and will, like Riley said, also be co-hosting the monthly Q&A. And I selfishly just get to hang out with you because I miss you so much. We haven't been, what, like in real life friends for a while, right? All mm-hmm. kind of virtual, but I'm so excited now that I get to hang out with you at least once a month. <laughs> I know. I feel like we made a pact when we left UNLV that we would try to see each other once a year. And the first year, did we, we did great because I saw you at your wedding. And then the pandemic hit, so we did not get to carry that pact through. And then we most recently try, saw each other last September, which was great. And now we have an excuse to talk to each other every month. So I'm not mad about that at all. You glazed over it, but we saw each other in September because you got married. I did. I did get married in September. Highlight of my year, month, decade. Shout out to Nolan. I'll be helping Riley with the Q&A section because we noticed that she was getting a lot of repeat questions on her Instagram account from followers with similar fueling questions. So I'll be kind of going through those and I'll be asking Riley some of the most frequently asked questions from athletes regarding fueling. Riley, we got some great questions from athletes that follow you. So the first one says, what should I eat between practice if I only have 40 to 50 minutes? Assuming this athlete maybe has school or something else prior to that practice time. This is a great question and I would love to like walk through two different scenarios because I, I think different things apply here. For athletes that have limited time between school and practice, this is not going to change, right? We, there's nothing that we can do to the schedule to change it, but what we can do is prepare ourselves because we know that with 40 to 50 minutes, we can't be eating a full meal, right? Maybe when we're in like middle school, but especially as we get older, as we progress in our career, our body's not able to digest that, you know, circulate that energy for us to utilize. A big thing here is I see a lot of athletes really focus on that 40 to 50 minute 
period of time, but they're neglecting what they're doing beforehand. So when you mm -hmm. only have 30, 45, 60 minutes before training to get in some type of fuel, this needs to be a fueling top off and your meals need to be coming hours before. Especially for high school athletes, you need to be having a good breakfast and a good lunch to set up a good fueling foundation before you go into training so that after school snack is a fueling top off, it's something a little bit smaller, you're not depending on that fuel to get you through your training session. I see this mistake a lot of the time with, especially those high school athletes, where maybe not having any type of breakfast. It's, oh, I can't eat in the morning. Then it's maybe a bar or like a pizza pizza for lunch from the school cafeteria. And then you're starving. So you go to Chipotle or Chick-fil-A right before practice. And then we're feeling sick on the field. We wonder why we have low energy because we're technically not under fueled, but we don't understand why we are feeling sluggish and miserable in our sport. So that's kind of the first scenario. And with that, like I mentioned, the fueling top offs would be applesauce, fruit snacks. This is a great time for a granola bar or even like a PB and J could be awesome. I also work with some athletes who like to do a smoothie during this period of time. And then with that too, if athletes have 40 to 50 minutes between multiple sessions, then the same types of foods apply here as well. And then going back to making sure that you have that strong feeling foundation beforehand, you need to make sure that you're eating meals if you have multiple training sessions per day, because fueling around your training when you have limited time just goes back to that maintenance. Would this change at all for an athlete that only had about 15 minutes in between, say, the end of school and the start of practice? Obviously, things are not the same from when I was in high school, but when I was in high school, I had 15 minutes from the end of my school day, my last class, until track practice started. It was like change and go. What would you tell an athlete in that situation? That lunch and that breakfast and setting up that foundation is so, so, so important here. When you have 15 minutes, I like to say one gram of carbohydrate per minute. So you would have mm -hmm. about the ability for 15 grams of carbohydrates. So that's looking like a Welch's fruit snacks, applesauce, maybe some apple juice, maybe some Gatorade, something simple like that. Yeah. One of those go-go squeeze packs, not sponsored by go-go squeeze, but even as an adult, those things are, they're key. I was eating one on a plane one time because it's less than 3.5 fluid ounces. You can bring it through security because of that, since it's technically a liquid. Color, fruits, and vegetables, that can be challenging when you're traveling. I just remember the guy sitting next to me staring at me as I was eating the go-go squeeze because he thought I was eating baby food. I think I've been there before. Now that we've kind of covered what an athlete should do if they have a limited time in between say the end of school and the start of practice. This question from an athlete is, I have practice from 6 to 8 p.m. What should I eat? A little bit of a loaded question there because I'm sure there's multiple components. So where do you want to start? The most common question I get that's similar to this, which I think this athlete is asking, is when, they should, when should they eat dinner? Because mm, okay. like we talked about in the first question, practice time is not changing, so we have to change our fueling and adapt our fueling around that. My guideline usually with this is to go off a 7 p.m. practice start time. So if practice starts after 7 p.m., I recommend eating dinner before your practice. If practice time starts before 7 p.m., I recommend eating dinner after. 
So in this situation, since an athlete has practice at 6 p.m., I recommend eating a snack after they get home from school and then having dinner after they get back from practice at 8.30 or as soon as possible. With this situation as well, making sure that you have something packed in your bag, making sure that you have some type of refuel that you can snack on in the car is going to be a great recovery option because you're going to be having dinner a little bit later here. Makes sense. As far as optimal timing for that snack before the practice start, assuming they have more than the athlete in the first question, more than 40 to 50 minutes, that might look a little bit different snack wise compared to a longer time period. So what would you recommend in this case for a snack before in between maybe a 3 p.m. school and a 6 p.m. start time for practice? I think with this, like every athlete's going to be a little bit different. And I don't think there is a specific like, concrete time. Usually I would say probably an hour and a half to two hours before to make sure that you're having that more substantial snack. So that could look like a turkey and cheese sandwich. It could look like a turkey and cheese sandwich and a smoothie. Like That could be a, a snack that you have two hours before. Another option could be like a loaded Greek yogurt bowl with granola, berries, banana on a Greek yogurt. Those would be some examples and recommendations. As far as car snacks to have in your bag on your way home, what would you recommend for something like that? One of my favorite post-workout snacks is going to be chocolate milk. I think it's a great option because it contains carbohydrates and protein. I usually recommend throwing in like a chocolate milk. They have um, juice boxes that are like chocolate milk juice boxes that are shelf stable. So they don't have to be refrigerated. So you can throw one of those in your bag and you could throw a bag of pretzels in. So you're getting carbs, protein, and then you're getting electrolytes from the pretzels as well. So it's a great recovery snack, um, to prepare you for your dinner. Yeah. So it's something that's a little bit smaller, still has the good components for optimal recovery. And then, you know, obviously not taking up maybe all of the hunger that we're feeling. So that way, when athlete does get home, they still have room for a full balanced performance plate for dinner. This is also a great snack too, for athletes who struggle with eating after. I'm not sure if you were like this when you were doing track, but when I was playing, I really, really struggled with eating after training and chocolate milk, liquid, I like to call them like liquid calories or liquid energy. Are These things are great options and some of the only things that I was able to stomach after I was playing. I feel like that's a common thing that the appetite is very suppressed after practice. It's a common thing. Normal. Common thing. Yeah. Okay. I also feel like I'm... Obviously, I did every sport under the sun because I was not good or I did not excel at one individual sport. I just did several that I was mediocre at. The not feeling hungry after practice for me was like swim practice without fail. But then when I got home and swim practice, because there's only like six pools in all of Colorado. So your high school just got whatever time that is. I was getting home like close to 10 at night and I was ravenous. And then of course in the morning, I didn't feel hungry because I had eaten like Oh, I don't know, somewhere upwards of like two, maybe 3000 calories. And then in the morning I was like, I'm not hungry. And then it's this vicious cycle that we get in. They're like, Oh, yep. I'm under fueling in the morning. And then at lunchtime, I'm like, well, okay. And then I might have a decent snack, probably nothing that, you know, contained a lot of good carbs and protein. I mean, I had Cheez-Its. I don't know. I was in high school. This is the phenomenon that I like to call backloading of calories. Because what happens is we're not eating anything in the morning because we feel blah because it's the morning. We might feel guilty because we just ate a ton of food at night. 
or we're also not hungry because we ate food at night. So we don't eat breakfast, meh, lunch like you talked about, and then we're starving, but we don't have any time to eat anything before going to practice. So then we're starving at practice and then we're starving when we get home, we eat a ton of food, and the cycle repeats itself. So now that we kind of have a better understanding of timing and practice and fueling, which I think is important for everyone, this athlete, your third question is asking, how should athletes, and I'm going to use air quotations, tone up? I think us as a society need to define the words tone up. I really struggle with the words tone up because my definition of tone up could be completely different than your definition of tone up. But in this situation... I'm assuming that the athlete is asking to modify their body composition. I'm so glad that you asked this because summer is coming up and I know you're right now you're like, okay, this dietitian is going to tell me how to lose weight for summer and that is not what I'm talking about at all, but summer is off season for a lot of athletes. And if you are looking to modify body composition, off season is the time to do it. I always say that you survive the season and then you thrive in the off season. So if you wanna work on developing strength, if you wanna work on modifying body composition, if you wanna work on your nutritional habits, off season is the time to do that because you have more time and also you're not going to be as focused on feeling for performance and just making sure that you're surviving that long season. So if you are looking to change body composition, summer is a great, time to do that. I'm going to put my dietitian hat on here and say that everybody's very different. I would recommend working with a professional because I've seen so many athletes who try to air quote tone up and it ends not great. Maybe not optimal fueling during a time when trying to change body composition. So definitely recommend reaching out to a, a registered dietitian to help with your specific body composition goals. I think that there's so many of us, I mean, I probably, I did this when I was playing, but you type in like how to tone up on Google and you, the first thing you see is like my fitness pal or count calories, count macros. You're provided with a silly equation that doesn't know anything about you. And then you're trying to fit yourself into this, this type of mold. You weren't meant to fit the algorithm in my fitness pal. Exactly. If you are, you know, looking to change body composition, I, again, I would recommend reaching out to professional. There are some things that you could start doing. I would really look at timing of nutrients. If again, if you're maybe wanting to take the journey by yourself, really look at the timing of your nutrients, making sure that you're incorporating the carbs and the protein. We talked about that a little bit in the Second question, but just making sure that you're having your carbs and your protein after training, after your workouts to help promote muscle building, to help promote muscle maintenance, um, because that's going to be an important part of like meeting your body composition goals. Going off of that, is there a specific time that you would recommend getting in a refueling snack after a workout? For elite athletes and those athletes who are training every single day, I do recommend optimizing that 30 to 60 minute period of time after a training session. If you're retired and you're old like me, then what we're, I'm doing is not as important, but more about what we're doing, I'm doing throughout the day. For athletes, we really want to optimize that recovery period because you have such quick turnaround. 
Obviously, what you're doing throughout the day is just as important, but making sure that you are optimizing that recovery period is important. In the terms of modifying body composition, that works perfectly into our next question, which is very specific. It says, is 11.2% body fat fine? I think fine is different for every single athlete, just like toning up is different for every single athlete. So let's talk about the basics of body composition, because I think there's a lot of misconceptions and myths about body composition. Um, We also don't know if this athlete is a male or a female, and that can change if this body fat percentage is, air quotes, fine. With body composition, male athletes have about 3 to 4% essential body fat. Essential body fat is basically the body fat that we need to function properly as a person. Three to four percent for males, just to make sure hormones are fine, make sure that our muscles are okay, brains okay, organs, everything like that is functioning properly, our hormones are okay. Males have three to four percent. Females have eleven to thirteen percent essential body fat because females have a different body fat range to prepare them for potential pregnancy and just to help with hormones and just a different genetic makeup. So when we look at biological males and biological females, we have different essential body fat percentages. If you are a male that has 11.2% body fat, then this is a good range, right? We're healthy, we're above our essential needs, and that is really important. So I think there's a lot of media around body fat percentage. I always think about like the NFL combine, the NFL draft, where a guy will be like, he had 1.2% body fat, like that's awesome. And it's like, actually, (laughs) that is very low. And that's actually a very dangerous level. I think that is also something important to remember that we have essential body fat and that doesn't mean we just need to be right above that range. We have optimal ranges above that body fat percentage that we function in as humans. If you are a female and you have 11.2% body fat, that is on the very low end of essential body fat. That could be a very dangerous level because you're at risk for underfueling. There might be some underfueling going on there, but you have your risk for having hormone issues, broken bones, illnesses, injuries, heart issues, cognitive issues. Making sure that you have enough body fat is going to be really um, important and also just essential to your health and well-being as a person. Beyond just being an athlete, it's a good thing to be above that 11% range that's considered essential. Exactly. Most female athletes at the professional to collegiate level, I was actually just going to give you a range, but I don't even think I can because everybody is so different and all sports are different and positions within the sports, everybody's going to be different. I think the important thing with body fat percentage or looking at any type of body composition is you do look for the that minimal amount. So that's how I use body composition as a sports dietitian is I'm looking for the minimal amount. Okay, if you're a male athlete, if you're a female athlete, like this is what your body fat percentage needs to be to ensure that you're a healthy person. Okay, we're above that now. Great. We have like a good foundation as a person. So now let's look at your body composition as an athlete. Okay. Are we 20%, are we 22%, are we 28%, are we 18%? Like, where do you feel comfortable? Because it's not just about performance, but it's also about like what's happening off the field and outside of your sport as well. 
if your goal is to be 18%, but you're miserable, then like maybe 20% is a better number for you because if you're not miserable off the field, you're probably more confident, you're happy, and that's going to translate also into your performance as well. So I think it's important to also keep in mind that there's a lot of error if you're just going to say the gym that you go to to work out and having some type of body composition measurement done. There can be a lot of error. There can be a lot of range that you can see. So it's important not to get stuck on the number and even more important to work with your specific dietitian to make sure that you're fueling for your body performance and whatever your goals may be. Exactly. I love what you just talked about with the range too, because this is just kind of my approach as a practitioner, but if somebody's telling you one specific number and anything that's related to nutrition, then I think that's bad science because we do not have any exacts in nutrition. So everything is within a range. So it's always 18 to 20%, 22 to 24%, because even with the best technology, right? Like DEXA right now is considered the gold standard. There's like four to 6% error with the DEXA. So like if you're going, like you mentioned, like if you're just going to the gym and you're standing on something, like how accurate is that? How accurate is that machine on that specific day? And then also other things that can like play into effect as far as like what you've used to fuel your body that day. How hydrated are you? Those are all things that can impact the results of that. So if it's not being used 100% correctly, there's can always be that opportunity or room for error. So it's important not to get too stuck on that as long as we're making sure that we're above that minimum line for essential body fat. I have a funny story actually about that. When I worked, don't hold this against me, but when I worked as a personal trainer in a gym, we had like the BIA, like that. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> Bioelectrical the bioelectrical impedance. Yep. Mm-hmm. The hand thing. One of my coworkers was like testing it out. He held on, got a reading, and then he chugged a bottle of water. And then he did it again. And he was 4% different. There's just so many factors that go into all of that stuff. So again, I, I just use body composition to make sure that you're healthy, a healthy person. And then looking at it to optimize you as an athlete. Okay. That is all the questions that we have today for fueling with Riley questions. Do you have anything else that you want to say? What are you most excited for about your weekend? We're recording this on a Friday. So what are you doing this weekend? It's my mom's birthday. So now that we live in Charleston, we get to see our families a lot more. That's why one of the reasons that we moved here. So my mom's coming into town. We're going to be celebrating her birthday. We're going to be grilling out. I'm going to make a carrot cake. That's kind of like my hobby is like baking cakes, only cakes though. Um, what about you? No, no. One time you made pie and it was for the Super Bowl when we lived in Nevada and it was the best. It was so good. It had like Reese's on top. The peanut butter pie. Yes. That's the one. Yes. See? So they actually have that right now at Costco and- what? My Costco does not have it, but I keep seeing it online. It's like this peanut butter pie. And if anybody finds it, then they need to tell me because I cannot be able, I've not been able to find it. Okay. Well, apparently my weekend plans include going to Costco now. So kind of recapping the questions that we talked about today, the big theme that I'm seeing, especially for athletes with questions about timing in between practice and whatever events that they have going on is just making sure one, they have a very strong fueling foundation and then also making sure that they're optimizing their time with their fueling choices and making sure that they have good carbohydrates and protein, and then making sure they're fueling before and after given the certain times that they may have 
adjusting their schedule since we know those practice times aren't going to change. And then when looking at body composition in terms of toning up or maybe what body fat percentage best for you is very variable since it means something different for every individual. And working with a dietitian is the best way to figure out what is best for you. Riley, if someone wanted to work with you, how could they get in touch with you to do that? Yeah. So you can reach out to me on Instagram, riley.beatty.nutrition. I'm always on Instagram. I also have a website, rileybeatty.com. Right now, I offer the Performance Fueling Club, so that's a one-on-one opportunity to work with a sports dietitian. We have lots of educational content. It's a flexible nutrition coaching program, so you get support at all times of the day. Also, if anyone is listening to this and does have questions that they would like answered on the podcast, what is the best way for them to submit these questions that they have for us to do the next time we have Fueling Q&A? Again, Instagram is a great avenue. I do Monday Q&As, so you can submit questions on there. You can say, hey, can you answer this on the podcast? There's also an option um, if you click on the podcast to submit questions attached to this episode. So there is a Q&A through Spotify, and if you would like to submit questions, you can do so here. Well, thanks again for everybody who's listening, and then big shout out to Jenna for helping co-host. We will see you next month. Thanks again for listening to the Eat More Carbs podcast. I would love for you to subscribe so you never miss an episode and then leave us a five-star rating and review so other athletes can find us. If you ever have sports nutrition questions, I'm always here for you. I would love to chat with you to make sure that you're doing everything to meet your goals on and off the field. Please reach out if you have any questions. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at riley.baity.nutrition. Again, thanks for listening and make sure to eat more carbs.